Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is Extreme Freedom Audio Bulletin. It cannot be traced, cannot be stopped, and it is the only free voice left in the geek revolution. And welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is Ken. Ken. That was last week. It is <laughs> Derek, Brett, and myself, Mike. And we are being joined by writer, um, blogger, Jen Finelli. And we're going to start off talking about her latest project, Becoming Hero, which I love this concept. It's the comic book hero wants to go and kill his artist. How did Hi, you, everybody. How did you come Hello. up with this idea? Um, I was very angry at Jason Todd and um, Frank Miller and a lot of different Batman-involved things. Has anybody read... Um, well, I mean, everyone's seen Under the Red Hood, probably, right? Yeah. 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 Has anyone read the Kevin Anderson Batman um, with the guy who has like a circle on his face and makes comic book sounds out of his own mouth? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't remember his name. No, I can't remember who the bad guy is. Uh, is it on? A, is it? it I don't be- think he even gives himself a name. He just calls himself John or something. But then he makes those sounds. Anyway, it's a Kevin Anderson comic that made me very, very angry because at the end of it, I was like, why can't Batman ever have anything good? Why? If I were Batman, I would kill Kevin Anderson. This is not me advocating the murder of Kevin Anderson, <laughs> but I wrote a book about it instead of killing Kevin Anderson. That's uh, so funny. Yes. Yesterday, I just picked up A Lonely Place of Dying, uh, the graphic novel, where he kills off Jason Todd. <laughs> ah! <laughs> oh, no. So it ties it in. Yes. <laughs> so it definitely doesn't have anything nice in that one. That's the one of the – I was going to dedicate the book to my sister and to Jason Todd, and then I, I thought that maybe Jason Todd isn't real. So let's just dedicate it to my sister and let Jason Todd have a quote at the beginning. <laughs> Perfect. So how did you come to, to gathering your creative team uh, for this project? Oh, man. So um, those of you guys who haven't had a chance to check out the website yet, my creative team is this like crazy, odd group of people um, who are all like incredibly ta- way more talented than I am. Um, one of them right now is off teaching. I think he's teaching underprivileged youth how to sing acapella. It's like something out of one of these Lifetime movies, and he's won awards. Uh, his name is Austin Willisey. He is the voice actor for Jace um, for the audiobook. And for everyone else, his voice for Jace's dad is fantastic. Um, I was actually just listening to it on the way here. <laughs> And then uh, the other one, uh, voice actor John Chrysalis, um, longtime friend of mine, also um, nominated for a Canadian acting award, also a burgeoning filmmaker, uh, also far more talented than me. And then um, the most important person in the group is Annie Chen. She's the most important because she's the artist. The book is a novel with a comic book inside it, so the comic book character can come out of the comics into the novel and kill his author, who is in the novel. Um, so it's it's super, super, super meta. As, as the comic book fan in the book reads the comic books, you also can read comic books. John and illustrated by the wonderful Annie Chen. She was the most important and most expensive part of the project. <laughs> <laughs> 
We also I'll- have a cool cover designer, um, Lawrence Reynolds, who he's done some covers for DC and Marvel as well. Um, but he and he's cool too. He's not um, on. We we haven't corresponded since he did the cover, but the cover it was important to have a cover. Of course, I'd say so. So, what's been the um, the fan response or, or the reader response to the book? So far, it's been only positive. Um, I one thing that because I still am am pretty indie, I have um, a smaller fan base, which is a good thing because it means that as I talk to fans, um, I can actually start like shouting out their work. I actually just interviewed somebody who discovered my work online um, and joined my mailing list and replied to some of the questions I send. I send out like short stories and fun things and cool updates um, for so that people get a little extra free stuff. Um, and so one of these fans contacted me um, and I was looking into his background and he was like, he's this cool engineer who's programming games to help like promote awareness of environmental issues and he created a board game about muscles taking over the Great Lakes and it, so so like I interviewed him so like that's something that's been kind of cool about like my fan base so far is um, not only has the result the, the results been very positive we had an Indiegogo that raised um, $4,000 and um, then of course the book sales the audiobook comes out at the end of this month uh, but not only has like things have been going good in like that arena for me but I've been able to connect with some super cool people because like there's just some brilliant creatives out there like you all I bet each of you also has because not only do you all podcast but you all each do have your own like comic passions right mm-hmm. yep yeah, oh, sure. definitely. Aren't you all also writers? No. Well, for our website. We do we do reviews and um, things like that, yes. Yes. But, but if we get into our real lives, our real jobs, uh, I'm an audio engineer at Walt Disney World. See, that's so rad. <laughs> so, I am an unpublished writer, but yes. So there you go. You're an author. Like, every, like it's, it's so cool to meet people who are creative. What do you write? Uh, I do a lot of fantasy, sci-fi stuff. Yes. Basically the best genres. Yes. You, you, you've heard of Fifty Shades of Grey? <laughs> That's not him. Okay. <laughs> I was like, hold That's on a second. That's definitely not me. <laughs> Wait. I don't know where this is going. <laughs> that, that was a throwback to uh, – Last week's episode where we found out that the writer of Fifty Shades of Grey yep. is writing the screenplay for the new Venom movie. <sighs> yep. <laughs> so I call that Fifty Shades of Venom. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the, the original tagline for the show was, uh, we be geeks, everything but chick flicks in Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> so Twilight That's... becomes a running joke. <laughs> why was that? Why was that tagline discarded? Um... Because a couple, we, we had some people go, really? You got to give Twilight hate? It's like, come on. It's part of a joke. If you can't garner the joke, then don't. <laughs> but we also kept saying, too, you know, we're the voice of the geek revolution. And then it changed when someone copied our tagline. So I said, okay, we're the official voice of the geek revolution. And that's what stuck. Oh, man. Oh, so boy. You have Which, by the way, that come. intro was amazing. Oh, it was okay. like, I was like, well, well, I'm at a rock concert now. This is how you know you're on a real podcast. They have a real intro. It was like post <laughs> We try. Instead of like, instead of like our mom reading something <laughs> before the, where it starts. Hey, yeah. don't hate on my mom. She reads it very well at the beginning of my podcast. <laughs> I do not have a podcast where my mom reads with me. I would though if she had time. Hey, there you go. Is an idea. Mom reads. <laughs> 
there's one podcast about the, these three British guys. Well, maybe I shouldn't be shouting this out. Well, I started, so I'm going to finish it. Um, they're reading through this erotica that one of their dads has written. <laughs> Oh, I've heard of that one, yeah. Dad, so it's the three of them and the dad on the podcast as they read through and discuss his odd erotic. Oh, no, the dad's not on there. They just talk about him and laugh at his erotica. I think one of my friends listens to that one. I'd be so so creeped out. (laughs) It started out funny. Yeah. I'm not shouting it out. I'm just mentioning it. (laughs) (laughs) No shouts. So, um, Becoming Heroes out currently right on different formats yes what are some of the areas that people can find becoming hero this is my favorite question um all the places uh you can get it on bards and noble amazon um some weird russian sites where they probably also sell slaves um (laughs) (laughs) all kinds of places by becoming hero get your mail order bride and your slave (laughs) it's a three for one deal Yep. Um, so I see that you have that you can buy it with or without comics. You can. Um, so there's gonna, there's three different formats actually because the audiobook's coming out at the end of this month, like I said, and it's not just one guy reading it or like me reading it in my bedroom without pants on. It's um, these two different guys who like their voices alternate for the perspectives of the of the main characters. Um, Austin plays Jace, who's a comic books fan who really is trying to escape like his father's legacy and he does that by reading comic books what happens when he finds out that his roommate is a superhero who's come out of a comic book to kill his favorite author it's his loyalty to the comic book world or to the real world it's kind of his issue uh, john chrysalis plays sky who of course is the comic book character who is really fed up with his author doing these ridiculous things to him and we played on a lot of these silly comic book tropes um, we played on the women in the refrigerator trope but we also played on um, just our desire to put zombies in all things right when there was a zombie craze even Han Solo fought zombies there's a novel out there Han Solo fighting zombies um, and so Sky doesn't appreciate it when his girlfriend is turned into a zombie plant monster he doesn't appreciate it when his next girlfriend has to be this like sexy femme fatale who then has to betray him because betrayal stories are everybody's favorite um, of course his other girlfriend has to die um, his best friend has to betray him his parents have to die all super good superheroes have to have dead parents um so he becomes very frustrated when he realizes that all these things are done because readers gotta read and was was one of jace's dead parents named martha one of sky's parents? <laughs> that, that's uh-huh. i want to say yes <laughs> that's, but maybe now. That's, that's canon all of a sudden <laughs> yeah <laughs> she has to be martha <laughs> we're Jesus best friends now. <laughs> yeah, we're best friends suddenly. We have this. Uh, yes. I heard that apparently, if you read the screenplay with like the pieces in between those scenes, it makes a lot more sense. There's a lot more build up to like it's not just oh our parents have the same name. Wow, it's like we're in kindergarten again. We got to be best friends. Right. <laughs> so um, many things wrong with that movie. Oh. Uh. Uh, I enjoyed the punching, the monster punching. Yeah. That's all that's all I need is monster punching. Um <laughs> No, I, I need more than that. My story is not just monster punching, but you can get it anywhere. If you go to your local Barnes and Noble and you tell them, please look up um, the ISBN of the book Becoming Hero by Jen Finelli, you can probably also get them to order it to the store 
for you. But it's probably easier for you to order it online and get it sent to your house. Um, that's probably the easiest. Awesome. Oh, and if you're in Texas, you can get it at Wizard World uh, Austin. For all your listeners, by the way, um, I have a coupon for 20% off of Wizard World Austin admission. Um, and I'm going to give you guys the link for your description or whatever. But well, <laughs> well, yeah, we'll throw that in the show notes. 20% off. Nice. Um, and then you guys can come to the show and see Stanley and uh, me. See me first, because Stanley's line's going to be a lot longer than mine. <laughs> <laughs> see you seeing Stanley? Well, no, I, won't, I probably won't be seeing Stanley. I'll probably be just sitting in my booth. Um, because if I don't stay sitting in my booth, someone will, I don't know. I'm paranoid that something will happen. Make away with their wares. Yeah, probably not. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be happy. I'd be like, oh yeah, please. Yes. Someone stole my stuff. That's the first sign I'm doing it right. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Make sure you give it out. (laughs) Yes. Share it. Put a review on Amazon. Right. (laughs) I wonder how many of uh, Stan Lee's uh, characters have plotted to kill him. Right, <laughs> right. Well, like and like Spider. Well, well, yeah, Spider Man. The well in the Amazing series. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he's had a, a bit of a rough go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You killed my uncle. <laughs> yep. So who who are some of your inspirations in becoming a writer? Batman. That's the wrong answer, isn't it? Batman doesn't write anything. <laughs> um, sorry, I have Batman. He actually writes his own fanfic. He, I bet he does, right? He, oh, it's he, a, yeah. he writes love letters to himself. <laughs> yeah, and it's just, I am Batman. I'm Batman. I'm yeah, Batman. there you go. Yeah, over and over again. Well, or he writes weird stories about, I don't know what he writes about about um it is odd that all his all his like progeny and adoptees all have to like look like smaller versions of him they all have to have blue eyes and black hair that's very strange so i don't know what goes on in batman's head but um i have not read any of batman's fiction myself um at least not in the waking world but um, I really like the color of um, C.S. Lewis's stuff, which I know is a really cliche answer. Um, as far as comic writers, my favorite comic series um, is Ultimate Spider-Man. I read through all of them. Um, and when – do you guys do spoilers on this show? If they haven't read Ultimate Spider-Man by now, then <laughs> – Yeah, it's, yeah, that's but, on yeah, them. That's fine. <laughs> so, but, wait, since, um, but since you asked about spoilers, what well, – We'll cover that for you. Warning. Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. <laughs> so neat. Um, wow, this podcast is so fancy. Um, so, Uh-oh. The, the illusion's been the, broken. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the first time we've ever been called that. Right. I'm, I'm yeah, well, I, th- I thought it was fancy anyway. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Um, but so when Peter Parker, um, it, the Hulk basically gets Peter Parker dead-ish. Um, um, and then they find his mask, you know, floating in the flooded debris of New York City. And um, J. Jonah Jameson writes this beautiful obituary for Spider-Man, which is, of course, what we all want J. Jonah Jameson to do. Um, I really I liked that. I liked that story. I just I thought it was really well done. Um, and I liked the space trilogy of C.S. Lewis because I always wanted to make um 
I, you know, fiction, I think, makes us better people sometimes. They did a study, um, which I referenced in the novel, actually. There's a, there was a study done um, looking at your sensory cortex in real life and when you're reading fiction. And the same areas of your sensory cortex light up when you're reading about stimuli as when you're actually experiencing them. So on some level, maybe the attraction of fiction to us, right, is that we're experiencing things in real life. But on the other hand, that puts an enormous amount of responsibility on us, actually, for what we consume and what we create because it's the same thing also with your pre-motor motor cortex um they did a Reese's monkey experience experiment where your the pre-motor cortex lights up when the paralyzed monkey watched another monkey doing an activity oh, wow. um, and we have similar neurons so like the pre-motor cortex is right before the motor cortex where you actually do stuff it's just like a switch between so you watching somebody else do something a part of your brain is participating in that so how much does that affect the actions that we actually do and what does that mean as far as like how real is fiction and what's our what does fiction do to us what's our responsibility so I always liked writers that I considered to be making a difference um, and I felt inspired by Spider-Man so I felt like he made a difference in my life <laughs> <laughs> that, makes that sense. came out that came out at a great time too because amazing was just horrible with the, the brand new day and everything like that it was just bad so when ultimate Spider-Man came out it was just like a breath the fresh air it went back to how spider-man was supposed to be mm-hmm. yeah so i thought it was a great series when it came out yes i didn't like the clone saga but the rest of it no. was good well i yeah. think they did it much better in ultimate than they did in amazing but uh so yeah, yeah, that's for clones. Sure. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah saw that talk you would think you were a doctor or something or in the medical field <laughs> what, because i talk a lot <laughs> No, I actually read it in your bio on uh, oh. on Amazon. <laughs> yes, I did. Um, I do put my arms uh, deep into people's blood and watch people die a lot and cry a lot. Um, and you're and also a doctor? Show things up. That's all doctor. <laughs> That's all the doctor stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's, it's pretty awful. It's the worst job ever. But I wouldn't do any other job because I always wanted to so this is going to sound um, stupid and, and canned but I'm going to say it anyway because it's my truth um, I didn't want to write about heroes without learning how to become one <laughs> title of the book is Becoming Hero um, so I've been trying to train to see like how I can, you know, like what can I do to be like my own kind of superhero? I know this sounds so cliche and dumb. Um, but so I, that's why I went to medical school and I'm currently working to eventually, um, go to the jungle and have my own like clinic there and have adventures. I've had a lot of adventures already, um, because I look for them and they're often very sad adventures. A lot of the, um, people that I've worked with, um, have ended up being shot or have died of various things. I mean, I've sat on street corners with, you know, very depressed prostitutes who felt like their lives had no meaning. Um, and we had pizza. And I have held way more than my share of dead babies in my arms, um, which still like get, gets to me. Um, and I've gotten to tr- ride on a motorcycle in a tropical monsoon that was so bad that the the trees were lying flat and the 
billboards were lying flat with a Paraguayan gang leader. Um, <laughs> pretty exciting. That, that right there sounds like it could be a comic book. <laughs> or a movie. <laughs> well, I want to have a lifelike comic book, but maybe with less... I've started to feel like I could do with less dying. I could do with the good guys winning all the time. That would be good. Okay. In fact, that would be the best. Yeah, I suppose it really would in real life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you find time between doing that and find time to write a, a novel? I'm a sad, lonely shut-in. No, that's not. <laughs> so um, I get a lot of my social interaction at work. And then after being friendly all day and touching patients and smiling at them, I want to go home, close the door, and not speak to anybody at all and write. Because after that, I'm done. No people. No more people. Um, and so while everyone else is going out to like drink and deal with their problems by being at the bar with their friends, I am shut in my apartment with my snake. Um, you didn't hear that. My apartment complex uh does not allow snakes so i don't i don't actually quote unquote have a snake uh, and 21 fish and a bearded dragon i don't have any of those things actually okay no snakes here (laughs) (laughs) so in all in all reality somebody told me a long time ago um that if you want to be a writer um you have to decide that it's your your job and you're a professional so um, I decided uh, a couple years ago is actually when my writing career, like when I started qualifying for SFWA stuff and I got into Code- Codex and I started making more professional sales. Um, it was around the time where I decided my full-time job is writing and medicine is my hobby that I do so that I have something to write about. Now, my hobby, quote unquote, takes 14 hours a day, <laughs> but that mindset held me a lot. I've been able to be a lot more prolific because of that. Because so like in my you know, when somebody is, when we're in the hospital and someone is talking forever and there's, you know, they're talking to someone else, but I still have to wait on them because I'm the lowest on the totem pole. I just wait. I write something. I'm in the car. I'm thinking like, okay, how could I fix this plot line? I'm in the bathroom. Sometimes I'll hide in the bathroom because they don't give you time to rest at the hospital, but they can't stop you from pooping. No one can legally stop you from pooping. So I just always have diarrhea. I just go poo. Okay, bye. And they, if you say it that way, people really will leave you alone. Um, <laughs> there needs to poo, all right, it, and then it, write a few lines. It's called, Just coming with a Taco Bell bag every day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is called getting your poop in a group. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I think uh, to go along with that, I think a lot of writing is experience, and I, don't, I think that that definitely makes you a better writer the more experiences that you have to be able to draw from to write your book. I believe that. That's probably true. Which you also didn't mention what everyone else mentioned, like what they are doing in their outside of podcast life. I didn't get to hear yours. Oh, I do uh, IT for a um, a hospital. Oh, so your, it's everything is your fault. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. You, it's you. So do you all do like the security stuff that makes it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Cool beans. So you have all the power is what you're saying. You are the one in power. uh, Access. (laughs) Yes. Yep. And all wow. the blame and yes. See what what Brett doesn't know is we we had installed a hidden microphone in his office and this is what it sounds like. <laughs> Just constant ringing. And, and on the slow days. <laughs> Oh my yep. goodness! Do you have one of those keyboards that like? I I have a program that I could do different sound bites. Can you do like a lion? 
I don't have a lion. I, oh. I, I have a lion sound effect, but I don't have it on the on the um, on the program down to the soundboard. You have to be prepared for lions at all time, man. <laughs> well, <laughs> give me a minute. I will get a lion. That is a good life lesson, right there. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm I sorry. Will. I'm sure you've never had such a demanding guest. Bring me a lion. I will. Fu- I will find a lion. We Why do have your three you have down so. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, isn't that like? Um, oh man. Oh no, that was blueberries. Never mind. I heard a rumor that George Decay really loves blueberries and requires them to be at every single event that he's at. Oh. They, well, that was uh, from Wayne's World when they were roadies for uh, Ozzy Osbourne. Yes. For all, uh, well, for all, all green M Ms. <laughs> well, all of that actually stems from um, Van Halen because they they threw on their rider that. In the dressing room, they can only have a bowl of green M&M's. And that's how they found out if people actually read the writer or not. Because they they had someone come in, or they went somewhere, and they were playing at, like, some gymnasium. Yes. And, um... The gym floor had just been redone, and they needed to put like a subfloor on top to protect it from all the stage right or from the stage decking. And mm-hmm. they didn't. And this was part of the writers. Something like this, you need to protect the stage decking and or the, um, the 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 floor that you're on. Put a substage before you do the deck. And they didn't. End up causing damage to the floor. <sighs> and they tried to come back on. Um, on Van Halen. On Van Halen. Van Halen said, uh, no, here's our rider. Just because they, they caught the green M&Ms doesn't mean they didn't read the rest of the rider. So we know they didn't read truly read the rider. But mm. uh, it's either that or no, they didn't have the green M&Ms. So they knew they didn't they didn't read, read the rider. Read the rider. No yep. Yeah. So do you so, have a rider for Austin Comic Con? Wow. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'm not important enough for that. I just have a little, I'm going to have a little table. And I'm going to be giving away a bunch of free stories. It's going to be buy one book, get four free. Um, so people better buy my. Oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse. Sorry. People better come buy my stuff. <laughs> and our, our artist. I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, our sorry. artist is going to you guys bleep me out in post. You can edit everything on post. I can't. Um, <laughs> you can make me say all kinds of weird stuff in post. You have so much power. <laughs> Oh man, have a good evil laugh. I like that. If, if you only knew the power, it's the power. not like Grayskull though. So no, right. oh man. Oh, and we're going to be giving away um, motorcycle. I'm not giving away motorcycles, but there is a um, my artist is going to maybe do sketches with people, um, and I'm going to write people a short story about them on the sketch. That will be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Now I wish so, we were going to. Yeah. Definitely a reason to show up. And there's an option to get. Um, so there's a puzzle in the novel that um, is this heavily cre- creative math puzzle. I can say it's creative because I didn't make it. Um, one, <laughs> I paid a math, math PhD to design this puzzle. Um, it is completely, it, it's not unsolvable, but it's been out for a year and no one's been able to solve it. Um, theoretically, a very smart high schooler should be able to solve it. Um, and everybody else probably with some effort um, could also solve it. So there's actually a $100 reward for the first person under 18 who solves it. And um, one-of-a-kind rings, actually stone rings that are replicas of the super, one of the superheroes rings in the book. Um, those are the reward. And so they're one-of-a-kind. So they're worth more than $100. Um, and those are the reward for whoever um, solves it if they're over 18. 
Um, and so we're going to bring those. That that um, puzzle is also going to be at the Comic-Con. It's also available online. Um, and at the Comic-Con, there'll be other uh, opportunities to, like, win stuff. So, yeah, solve the puzzle. I know we've got to have some math geeks out there listening yeah. to your show. I'm looking right at it on your uh, site. It's pretty it's it is solvable. It it's written in that weird way um on purpose. It has to do with the plot of the book. Actually, mm-hmm. if you read the book, there are clues to solving the puzzle in the book. So, um that's a reason to read the book. There's Attention, a basic, kids. Yeah, there's a chance to win $100 inside every book basically. Cool. It almost reminds me of uh Ready Player 1 where everybody has to solve the riddle to get to the end. Yes. <laughs> I've heard really good things about that and haven't seen it yet. Very good book. Yes. And the movie looks like it's going to be pretty amazing, too. Yes. So, just for you, since you asked. Yay! (laughs) This is a top-quality podcast. You You know it. Can you also give me a million (laughs) dollars? It's in the mail. What's your other There is a fine line between genius and madness. <laughs> oh my goodness, this is really cool. This is really cool. It should be a law that all podcasts have to have a soundboard. Except, no, don't. That's actually a dumb. That's a very stupid idea. Then a lot of people. Never mind. I take <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> we need we need to have our uh, leg up on everyone else. We, we need all the help we can get. <laughs> well, when I when I play the sounds on my other podcast, my buddy on that podcast always makes fun of me and says I sound like a morning radio DJ. Uh, but that's yeah. what everyone wants to be who podcasts, right? You want to be a morning radio DJ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or we're all failed morning radio DJs, one or the other. <laughs> yeah, really. No, I was listening to the radio this morning, and apparently they only had like 100 listeners on at that time and they're like wow we have over 100 listeners on and I'm like man every podcast I listen to gets way more than 100 you know downloads so actually I think radio is dying so yeah, I think it is yeah mm. unfortunately what got you all into podcasting together um <laughs> wow quite tables turn we get questioned um <laughs> I Actually, hope that's not a that you all see your the readers the listeners can't see your faces but all your spaces make it look like it was a pretty secret adventure yeah, involved, no. involved, involved, involved like it, we gotta talk offline to get our story straight <laughs> it's a very long story um, I started this show almost five years ago and my original co-host. Um, bailed on me after about six months. So I had someone new on. Uh, he bailed on me before we hit 50 episodes. And then uh, I had a great guy named Marty who um, he didn't bail. Uh, he had to step down due to personal life issues. Uh, life got in the way, yeah. which we understand. And he does come back every now and then. God, he's, he's due to come back on. Okay. Put that feeler out to him again. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, when he left, um, our other co-host who hasn't been on in a while because of life issues herself uh the three of us auditioned brett and derek and we're like we can't decide let's invite them both on and you guys been on what a couple years now about two years yeah a little over two years yeah yeah so which we didn't know we were being in we thought we were just filling in we didn't know we were being yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow we, we got sneaky about it 
Yes. <laughs> that's hardcore. Like you auditioned co-hosts. Yes. That's kind of like the voice, but not quite. <laughs> yeah. Dang. Nobody turned around. No. So why couldn't you choose between the two? Why couldn't we choose? Because um, yeah. Derek and What Brett, made them both so great? Did they play off each other a lot? They did. Plus they, they had, they filled in with strengths where we had weaknesses and it was just one of those. One had had a lot of strings in one area, one in the other area. That it was like we we can't pass this up, it, it, and it just stayed. That's We're so just cool. that good. <laughs> <laughs> so what made what made you all like the show? What made you all come on the show? I actually had been um, thinking of joining a podcast for a while, and I was friend with friends with Jules, our other co-hosts, um, and I asked her if she needed a fill-in. She's like, yeah, actually we do. And then that's when I actually got on and uh, had the uh, interview wow. on, the, on that time. Well, actually, it really wasn't an interview. We just did a show, see how yeah. it was. And then, <laughs> and then once we got done recording, we kept everyone on. It's like, well, what do you guys think? And they're hearing us going, uh, what's going on? <laughs> it's kind of the vibe. And we said, like, you guys want to be full-time hosts? Because... <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I remember. I think, I, think that, I think that played out, what, over two episodes? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Because I remember our first, the first episode that Brett and I were on was right around Father's, Father's Day because we were asking you guys yeah. questions about being geek fathers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds like a good episode. Are y'all going to link to that? Um, <laughs> I can send it to you. Oh, that sounds rad. You might need to find it off iTunes there, Brett. Yep. It'll be I- hidden in the in the secret depths. Well, what if some <laughs> listeners are new? Maybe they also want to link. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> I'm, even, I'm the only geek dad. I don't even remember what episode it was. I'll have to go back. But I remember because I remember I was I was I was writing a column for the Weeby Geek site, and then I saw Mike on Twitter one night just said some post tweeted something about um, people interested in doing a podcast, and I was thinking about doing my own podcast at the time, and uh, so I said, yeah, I'll I'll give it a try, and then the rest you know. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. history. Yep. Have you guys talked about before on your show, like about how you all came together? Um, I, actually, I don't think so. Not, I not think this, this is the first. Current, yeah. Think, yeah. Uh, Yay! Current, now everyone yeah, knows. <laughs> <laughs> So that's really sneaky. Talk- yes, that was very good of you. <laughs> no, no, it's sneaky how you got, how you, oh. you showed, you know what I mean? That was very clever. That's a very chill way to audition someone, too. Well, it, oh, it, just come hang out and I'll see if I like you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, if, if there was any connection, because um, a lot of times they say, too, you know, it, it, when you start up a podcast, it could take seven episodes to really get, get the flow going, get the chemistry um, so having two of us who were already beyond that seven points, like, was there a chemistry there? Could we, you know, how quick could we bring the other two or, or another person into our chemistry? Yeah. Um, it, I don't think it took seven episodes. Um, I mean, it's like three or four, but, you know, once we got into a routine and pattern, of course, you know, we... This isn't bad, but there, there's times we've gotten complacent. It's like, okay, yeah, we're just having a conversation. And it's like, <laughs> should, should, how, how do you guys feel about we, we tried this for a bit? And, and it's just, just to change things up, to keep, keep things fresh. I mean, I'm sure it's probably the same with, same way with writing. You know, if you're, if you're writing, writing, uh, I'm sure you want to change things up just to make it seem fresh so it's not, not boring or, well, I don't want to say boring, but where it doesn't get complacent. Well, boring is the true, the word. The, that's the correct word. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it's that's true. I think I think though one thing that's a little sad about writing um, is that it is very like good writing is solitary and is hard work. I don't think writing is this thing that like it magically flows out of you. It can be sometimes, but if you want to get it, you know, get it done, you have to sit down and work. Um, and it's you do it alone. I the thing that I think is I've always wanted to get into some of these like group creative endeavors because it's fascinating to me the chemistry between creative groups i just feel like penny arcade i don't like love love penny arcade but i love their how their dynamic this like create marriage of these creative minds produces something or like um game grumps i very much do not love the game like well i i cannot recommend the game grumps because i have friends and audience members who are little children and who cannot listen to that But um, (laughs) their chemistry, but I I will admit, I listen to a lot of Game Grumps myself. Um, So I I will neither confirm nor deny liking them. But their (laughs) chemistry is fascinating. Um, It's fascinating to me how the chemistry of people can create something. And that's so cool. That's something I've always... I I have that with my film producer, I think. Um, But we're we're at the very beginning of our our journey. I think uh, people who've been there a long time, it's kind of cool to see these like historic partnerships so how do you guys like maintain and work on like your podcast relationship like to make sure you guys don't have like drama or something like that that's that's <laughs> what i really like that's what i really like about this um podcast because um i've written for sites and things like that where there's been a ton of drama and mm. here there's been nothing i think we all um are in a collaborative mode and we we listen to each other and and take each other's ideas and we don't like shoot at each other down. First off, there's no pressure either because um, mm-hmm. we all tend to write articles. For me, it's been a while since I've written an article on the <laughs> me site. Me too, actually. But <laughs> um, but we're also working on you on our YouTube channel. We be geeks declassified, and most of the video, well, all the videos are me at the moment. <laughs> And, and I've just said, you know, you guys got to step up. And but I, I've never put deadlines or timelines. It's just when they can. Yeah, it, it's there for them to to have that resource. So. And that's another thing where it kind of goes into strengths and weaknesses because I stink at doing videos. <laughs> so that's probably why I don't do them. So I'm glad that we do have Mike to do them, even though I would like to do more. I'm working on some, but I've been having issues, so <laughs> but I'm, I'm figuring it out. Video is hard, man. Yeah. You can have like a really awesome idea that like sounds really good in your head and then you record a video and it looks dumb. That's, that is exactly what happened to me. That's my life, man. That's my whole life. I mean, not my whole life. I don't spend, I don't record video of my whole life. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> don't run away from your feelings. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That was that was funny. Um, she said after laughing, which showed that she thought it was funny and was an unnecessary statement. She said narrating, which was also unusual and unnecessary. Stop mocking me! <laughs> well, that's the problem. You can't you can't write real life. I've tried. It's it's very difficult to control other people using pen and paper. <laughs> nothing nothing worse than when you have a when you're having a conversation with somebody and they don't go along with the lines you're writing for them. I know, right? 
That statement is probably the statement behind all like political argument because people (laughs) expect the other side to think a certain way. They say, you think this and this, you know, like liberals and conservatives at each other's throats. Like, you know, you are a baby hating whatever. And the other person like you hate the environment and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, they, they don't. But you've already written the lines for the other person in your head. So you already know what they think. And they're already your enemy. To me, it sounds like what you're trying to say is it will test your head and your mind and your brain. <laughs> this all sounds like a Rick and Morty thing. Man, I'm referencing a lot of things that I don't support but watch today. I, actually, that was <laughs> that was uh, Jack Black from School of Rock. Oh, yes, I remember that. That was a fun thing. I need to see Have you guys are you guys going to see the new Jumanji? It's got so many comedians it looks in good. it. Looks good. And mm-hmm. Karen Gillan too. I'm a big well, uh, Kevin Hart. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I'm not a big Kevin Hart fan myself. Well, he is a sexist bastard. Wow, I'm saying a lot of mean things today too. <laughs> um, I'm sorry if Kevin Hart is listening. I enjoy your stuff, but you could talk nicer about women. Um, and then Don't I would run like run away you- from your feelings. <laughs> Sorry, it was appropriate there, too. It was. It was. I don't mean to be bad-mouthing people, but he's he's not very nice to ladies. No, didn't he just get caught uh, cheating or something? Oh, I didn't Supposedly. know about that. Yeah. That's not a good thing, either. No. But let's just say he, he's trying to figure out how to stay off the couch. I, I don't even have a couch, so I am, too. I sleep <laughs> on the floor. So what other projects outside of Becoming Hero have you worked on? Or... Or brought to the world. So um, I have a film coming out in 2019. We can't talk about it on this podcast, though, um, because it falls into your categories of chick flicks or or um, or Twilight. <laughs> Vampires. And I, I didn't write Twilight. Um, it's but, not hint. It's not Twilight. It's one of those two things, and it's okay. not Twilight. Does it Does it involve vampires sparkling? No. Um, then it involves- then I, I will bend the chick flick rule so you can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's um so it's pina colada song plus you've got mail a married couple gets fed up with their marriage so they seek out affairs online but the online affair service accidentally matches them up with each other <laughs> it's a comedy it um, almost sounds like a story i heard that took place in kentucky why it didn't take place in florida for once i don't know but i heard it t- <laughs> why were they related Oh. <laughs> Sorry for all our Kentucky hey, listeners. <laughs> don't talk about my birthplace. I'm I'm doing that on my own. Um, I lived in Lexington for five years. I think I'm okay. I was I'm born. There. I was born there. <laughs> um, apparently, this guy uh, went cheating on his wife and called for a prostitute, and it was his. And it was his wife who showed up at the door, and she had been prostituting for like several years. Surprise! <laughs> so you, 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 you said it was what song in You've Got Mail? The Peter Claus song. Maybe I'm pronouncing that one. I love Guardians of the Galaxy, by the way, which is what that song makes me think of now, because I am a musical, what is the fancy word, like, syncophant, not syncophant, I am a dummy, and I don't know music music things, no, the opposite, (laughs) I don't know music things, but I know Guardians of the Galaxy, so I love all those songs from Guardians (laughs) of the Galaxy. (laughs) 
shame. I feel shame, but it's the truth. Yeah, people walking around with the bells. Shame, shame. That's right. That, no, I was in the operating room the other day, right? I'm in the operating room. Um, we are pulling open this man's belly while he's still moving. Um, because he refused general anesthesia, so he had to have spinal anesthesia instead, oh. which didn't totally knock him out, and we were taking uh-huh. out his appendix. It was an emergency. Um, so he was kind of knocked out, but his muscles and tummy and stuff was moving while literally with my bare hands, I'm ripping open his abdomen so the surgeon can take out his appendix. And at this moment, the anesthesiologist is criticizing my musical taste. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so my musical taste is so poor that it has to happen be talked about in the operating room. So. I guess you don't get the I don't they don't let you choose the uh, music in the OR anymore. You do no, I didn't choose. I was just listening to the music and I was oh. like I said a horrible thing. I said this guy's voice sounds like because I don't listen to a lot of popular music. So this guy's voice sounds like and I said a musician that everybody hates. Justin then, Bieber. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> and, and I said, well, because he's got this like childish feminine boy voice. Um, and it was a, it was Freddie Mercury. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it was a – of well, course, that, Freddie that Mercury did sh- have that kind of voice. That concludes the show this week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so late. So, no, because it wasn't I, it wasn't a tasting. I was like, I like this. His voice is nice, but I don't know any songs. So that's my probably, shame. Probably with the uh, same people that heard Bohemian Rhapsody in Wayne's World and thought that it was a brand yeah, new that, song. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I have Bohemian Rhapsody. That one. I, I, I got to tell the story and with the wife in the other room. I don't know if she's going to hear me tell it, but. When we started dating, uh, we're driving around in her car. She goes, oh, you got to hear this great new song that Garth Brooks just did. It's amazing. She puts it in. It's shameless. And I'm saying, I'm like, yeah, I don't really listen to Garth Brooks. I'm not a big country fan. I'll take a listen. And she started playing it. And I'm singing along. She goes, I thought you didn't listen to Garth Brooks. I said, I don't. But I know the song because Billy Joel did it <laughs> on, on Stormfront. Yes. No, this song just came out. I was like, no, Billy Joel. So we get back to, to my place. I break out my Billy Joel album, played it for her, and said, see, this is from 1989. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is 1992. <laughs> and he just did a cover. Well, that's like oh. my first experience with Piano Man was Spider-Man. <laughs> well, spin us a web, you're the Spider-Man. Spin us a web tonight. That song by Weird Al. I knew that song long before I knew um, I knew Piano Man. Yeah, we're going to have to cook you up with some music here. <laughs> that I know, right? <laughs> Actually, that kind of reminds me of another story that happened to me. I was talking to this uh, this kid. He was like like twenty something, like early twenties, and uh, we started talking. We were talking about music and stuff, and we got onto rap music somehow. And I said, I told him, you know, I don't really like rap music. It's kind of it's all you know junk today. I said, uh, but I used to kind of like rap a little bit back in the old school days. And he goes, he goes, oh, you mean like Biggie and Tupac? And I said, no, I meant like Run DMC and the Beastie Boys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, jeez, make me feel old. Grandmaster Flash. <laughs> yeah. Let's do them back on our eight tracks. <laughs> yes. I, I remember having eight tracks. So yeah. it, th- this is musical education with Jim Finelli. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, or so like American Pie, right? So because I learned all my stuff from like nerdy sources. So it's not that like I hate music. My mom had the Temptations on, and I loved that. But a lot of these like popular songs that everybody knows, I learned about through Weird Al. So you know, like my, that Anakin guys. My my, this here Anakin guy. Maybe Vader someday later. Now he's just a small fry, right? Um, instead of American Pie, because I was you know Star Wars. That's interesting. I don't know about pie and war. <laughs> That's a great combination. Uh, <laughs> pie and, pie war. and war. There is a movie, a Veggie Tales movie, about a war fought with pies. Your eight-year-old daughter might like it. <laughs> she might. She does love Star Wars, though. So yes, we're I'm in good hands. <laughs> Yes, it's good. <laughs> she she went to the, they call it the media center now, but she went to the media center this uh first time this school year and checked out a Star Wars book to read. I'm like, I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. What's she reading? Uh, it's some Jedi tale basically about Obi-Wan and Anakin. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. It, it, Apparently, it, the series with Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon was, was pretty good is what I've heard. I haven't read that one. I've read mostly the, like, all, from the future ones. All the legend stuff. Yeah. Oh, so well, cool beans. So, since we brought up Star Wars and Batman, what are, what are the different things that you geek out about? Because we, we, we use geek more than... <laughs> Nerd. Besides Batman. <laughs> Besides Batman. Uh, and Weird Al. <laughs> so. Hey, Weird Al for the Super Bowl. Say it now. Oh, that'd be really? awesome. Do you think that would ever happen? Probably no. not, but it needs to. There's petitions <laughs> every year. Awesome. There, there's been petitions really? every year. Weird Al for the, the Super Bowl. Best Super Bowl halftime ever. Yep. That, those are definitely my favorite Weird Al songs. Is the Spider-Man one and the because I the Spider-Man one almost brings me to tears. It used it used to actually almost because so I really so yeah I guess I really love Spider Man um, I really love I used to so this is an embarrassing one oh this is actually a great story this is my first Comic Con story um, the first Comic Con I ever presented at. Um, at, that I ever had a booth at. Um, Yuri Lowenthal was there. You probably, you may not know who Yuri Lowenthal is. Um, yeah. Name sounds familiar. I, I know who he is. Yeah, he's, uh, really does uh, voice work. He did for Prince of Persia and some other stuff. That's right. That's and right. what's the other stuff? Uh, I can't remember. And his, and his wife does uh, voiceover work as well. I think I saw yes! them both on Twitter. Yes. So yes. Ben 10, um, Alien Force, was, and this is, this is embarrassing, right? I love aliens and space and stuff. And Ben 10, Alien Force was my favorite show, Ben 10, for like all through college. Um, so I, but the line, there was not a lot of line um, there because they were mostly adults and not, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to grab the lizard by a weird place. I'm sorry, baby. I have a lizard sitting on me and I scared it. Um, <laughs> you okay, dude? I think he's fine. Did his toe fall off? No, it didn't. I'm sorry. I'm concerned about this. This lizard, strange things are happening. Um, anyway, the, uh, I, so I had, because I had a booth, I thought, well, maybe I can go talk to this guy. I don't have to like stand in a long, crazy line. There isn't a line right now. I'm not going to interrupt him. And I can kind of like be cool, right? Cause I'm here as an artist. I'm not here as like a fan. So I can be real cool and go talk to, to Yuri Lowenthal because, you know, it's a kid's show. So I'm not going to like come up, geek out and be like, please, <laughs> you know, sign uh, something. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be cool. So I had my artist badge on. I swagger up to his 
little autograph booth and I'm like, I, you know, I wanted to hear more about, learn a little bit about voice work from you. So I started asking him questions about voice acting and stuff. Really cool conversation. I was doing so well. I was so cool. And then he was give, he gave me an example. He says, so like one thing I'll do is I'll modify my voice to like, and then he did the Ben 10 character voice. And I was like, oh my gosh, like really <laughs> loud, annoying, obnoxious, because it's, it was really weird. It sounded like this, you know, young teenage voice in this grown ass <laughs> man face with a beard. And it was like Ben 10. And it, it, I was, whoa. And that it ruined everything. Then I, I was no longer cool. I revealed <laughs> my identity as a fan. Um, Star Wars has, Star Wars is a big one. It's affected my everything, every area of my life, from my religious life to my marriage. Um, I have my own very personal canon. I've read a ton of the different books. I'm a big Wikipedia fan. Um, as far as, you know, like video games, I like Portal a lot. Um, so I I geek out about anything I can geek out about. I have a picture on my wall of an alternate history where it's a beautiful painting, actually, by the uh, guy who did my cover um, of Yoda training Leia instead of Luke. And it looks pretty cool. Uh, Nice. nice. Um, Yeah, y'all can buy a print probably uh, if you look up Vivid Fury Lawrence Reynolds. If you Google him, he's got some really cool. He's got like Deadpool riding a a unicorn, um, all kinds of really cool alt history type stuff. Nice. I guess they're not history, right? These are not real. None of these things are real. <laughs> <laughs> Only in our minds. Yes. What about you? What do you guys geek out about the most? Oh, uh, I know from the podcast you like comics, but other other stuff. Uh, big thing for me is Star Wars. Uh, that's yeah. how that's how I yeah. became definitely involved in the audio and uh, in the entertainment industry was um, was because of Star Wars, mainly because of Ben Burt, who I got to meet twice. Ooh. Uh, both times at Star Wars Celebration that were here in Orlando. Yes. So, yeah. So, Star Wars is the big thing. Uh, love of sci-fi, love of, love of comics, um, which, you know, I always talked about how Teen Titans is what got me through my livelihood. Yes! And um, the first, first person we ever interviewed for We Be Geeks was George Perez. Uh, George Perez who, wow. And nice. um, so for those who were listening to last week's show, no, my father just passed away recently. And we were up home and we we're going through some stuff. And I found this box and in it was two issues of Tales of the Teen Titans and an issue of the new Teen Titans and an issue of G.I. Joe. I'm like, wow, my books are still here and they're in fairly decent shape. <laughs> I was surprised. I'm like, see, I did have these as a kid. I'm not lying. And it was one of those, I had to convince myself I was not lying. So, wow. Uh, so, having those books appear um kind of kind of helped and it's like so i i brought them home they're they're here at the house with me now so and i'm waiting the day where i can take them back and get get either marv wolfman to sign the three books and get george to sign the one because he didn't do the other two because it was after he left yes so and then those are just kind of those i would consider sending off to get graded because i could care less i i probably won't read them anymore i'll i'll go out and buy another another copy to read those uh, I will just seal and put away. Wow. Yeah, the Teen Titans is pretty... Yeah, no, that's that's, that's, that's pretty rad. Dude, the (laughs) Teen Titans is so cool. Yeah, that's another big one for me, actually. Yeah, 
the the Wolfman Perez stuff is what was uh, really carried me through a lot of moves because um, I moved around a lot as a kid. So constantly the the new kid in school and Titans helped me through. So yes. Who's your favorite Titan? Um, I'm actually torn between Starfire and Raven. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. And of course, both of them, along with Cyborg, were original creations by, by George and Marv for the series. Yes. So, and that I- gives... And not carryovers from from the original Teen Titans. Yes, which gives a lot of hope, actually, because a lot of times when you come in as a new writer on a comic series uh, already established for anybody, and you're given maybe, you know, one or two characters, like character rights, like as a bone, like, okay, you can have Robin, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There's always this fear that any characters you make, or like, you know, like Marvel, okay, you get to write Squirrel Girl, right? It's like, oh, I get a lame thing. What am I going to do with it? The, The success of things like Squirrel Girl, and like the Teen Titans where like the person came in was handed something and yet made something big, bigger and better of it I think says something about um, how people need to start having faith in their readers rather than always try you know like there's this joke running joke that every Batman writer wants to do the thing where Batman narrows his eyes and fights with a Robin in the cave and then Jason Todd's uniform falls down behind them or something like that right every <laughs> they all want to do the same thing but what we actually need to be doing that actually makes a lasting impact on the industry is like what you're talking about where like all those new characters became ridiculously beloved and then you have the animated series and a gazillion fans because of that yeah. um, which you know a comic book has like what max 10,000 readers but a show that show had millions of viewers so like by making new and it was the new characters that got on that show yeah. right mm-hmm. so yeah. it's like by making that he not only interested more people in comics but he got a lot of people through a lot of stuff so being we need to not be afraid to like step out and make our own stuff yeah, i think uh that's what's wrong with dc and marvel these days is that they keep wanting to have a million avengers books a million wolverine books and everything mm-hmm. like that instead of trying to get something new out there they keep yes. trying to do the same same old thing and nobody's buying it anymore and it makes the characters angry and want to murder their authors because they're tired <laughs> of having to suffer the same thing over and over again they're like make someone else suffer write about somebody else stop writing right. about me see if they just listen <laughs> to to what had been said earlier with run riddler run my favorite story arc then they wouldn't have these issues with their authors but no <laughs> to show my age when i first heard the premise of your book it uh made me think of the old looney tunes cartoon where uh, daffy duck was yelling at the uh, at the uh, artist and yes. the artist is sitting there erasing parts of them and changing yeah. them there's a like Bugs funny one like that too mm-hmm. yeah yeah oh yeah 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 those are awesome that's another thing looney tunes was great yeah looney tunes was great yeah man. i don't know why i have to say that's another thing that makes it sound like this is another political stance I have. Looney Tunes was great. <laughs> we all agree. <laughs> Saturday morning cartoons need to be a thing uh, again. <laughs> yes, they did. Yeah, I miss what, that. Two years since they've been off the air. Yeah, two, yeah, but even longer since they've been good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, part of it is because we treat kids like idiots mm-hmm. rather than like giving them well, storylines that are worthwhile. It, it's yeah. a lot of the parents are idiots and should <laughs> have kids. Because I can't imagine parents today 
watching Looney Tunes and, or showing their kids Looney Tunes, they would be so outraged after like the first 10 minutes of, <laughs> of anything. Or Bugs Bunny dressing like a woman or, <laughs> or anything like that. They'd be going out of their minds. I don't know. Some of the newer comic, like not comics, um, cartoons are like way more crazy, but people don't, people don't care because they're not paying attention or like yeah. really lazy. Mm. Oh. Star versus evil in Disney. Yeah, no. Why does I guess since I don't out, have I don't kids know. and I haven't watched cartoons and in, in years. I know, so yeah. I I it. <laughs> on the I other hand, like ones. Teletubbies and Barney and stuff like Uh-oh. that. <laughs> <laughs> on the flip uh-huh. side, there's some amazing animated films coming out, like films. If you like leave comics, like mm. Zootopia was probably the best racial commentary that's come out of any movie, adult or child, mm-hmm. and it was done for children. <laughs> Frozen, was Frozen was a way better feminist diacritic than any feminist stuff that's come out lately, and it was done for children. We could twist apart almost any Disney movie. Yeah, I, I mean, look, look, look at the trauma Simba is dealt watching his father get trampled by antelopes. Yes, or, or gazelles, and yeah. we walked out of the theater hearing a lot of parents. Oh my god, I'm gonna have to pay for a psychiatrist for my son, for my kid because they're <laughs> traumatized. Mufasa died in front of Simba. <laughs> Did they, don't they remember Bambi? I know. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> well, and then, then we, <laughs> my wife and I, started chiming in with stuff like, "Well, while you're at it." Why don't you bring up to that Snow White is a little, is an underage little girl sleeping with seven little men, <laughs> and mm. and that Dumbo is potentially a stoner because of the way he flies. Yeah, or but I I like fly. those things. I think those things don't have to be so like like Dumbo flying always gave me so much hope, and I didn't like the drunk elephant scene, but it certainly was it was creative for sure. Somebody somebody had a good animating job on there, <laughs> and they and it is quite a warning against the dangers of drinking. Yeah, I mean after that you never want to get drunk. What if you see pink elephants that are right. singing at you like that? That's terrifying. <laughs> so it's actually a very good morality story, and then like. Snow White, I think it's good for females to have male friends that are not, they're not romantically interested in. And Snow White is like the only Disney princess to have platonic male friends. Although, unfortunately enough, I guess, I don't know, my maybe what if, you know... So I did, I do actually have a story that I've written. Um, that This one isn't out yet, um, but it is about a, one of the dwarves that falls in love with Snow White, written from the perspective of a little person. To write it, I actually interviewed a little person I knew um, who had fall? She had fallen in love with a tall person, um, and asked her like, "What were the feelings when she was rejected?" Um, and based on that, I rewrote the story of Snow White from the point of view of one of the little people in it. Uh, That's cool. Interesting. That'll be out eventually. I have to go back and do another revision because um, the original is too long. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, you gotta kill your darlings, is what some famous writer said. I don't know. <laughs> He said it and makes more money than me, so he must be right. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the other one you could do is since Disney has princified all these different princesses, and how about the fact that Mulan is considered a Disney princess and she's not royalty? How about the resentment oh, yeah, well, of the other princesses to her, and then what she <laughs> might be feeling because of that resentment? <laughs> oh, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, characters, character like rewrites are always really, really, really interesting. I think I, I, I've seen them only because of my daughter. It's not a, a series I would be watching if I didn't have my daughter. But I think that's kind of what makes the the Descendants storylines kind of in, intriguing. Is they're the kids of the Disney characters. Yes. And uh, of course, you, you start off with it's mainly about the villains' characters. Yes. Villains' kids, and you can come find out. Well, no, they're actually good-hearted, and some of the the heroes' kids that are the the mean little urchins. Yes. Well, because they're all rebelling against their parents, so the mean ones are rebelling against their nice parents, and the nice ones are rebelling against their mean parents. Yeah. <laughs> yes, looks like you're getting attacked by your your bearded dragon. Yeah, I think he's shedding. I just figured out why he's been sleeping so much lately because pieces of him are falling off on me. And those <laughs> that looks like he still, but he still has those pieces. So like a toe fell off, but he still has all his toes. So <laughs> looks like he's shedding. That's why he's all sleepy. Poor guy. Can you imagine how terrible it would be? So uh, once I learned a little more medicine, I figured out like I, I started to identify with reptiles a little more because. Um, so as a woman, we shed certain things um, once every month. Reptiles shed their entire body surface area. They're, that must be so painful. Reptiles shed like their whole body yeah. once every free. That must be painful. They must be moody. They must be grumpy. They must be tired. It mm-hmm. must be hard to be a snake. I'm <laughs> yeah. glad yeah. snake. And then on top of that, snakes don't have any hands. So they get yeah, a bad rap. Too. It's hard to be a snake. I love snakes. Do you have a, a python or something? No, my wife would never let me have that. <laughs> I I just have two cats, but yeah, that was one- part of the prenup for me. No, no slithery things, <laughs> as my wife calls them. My husband won't let me get a tarantula. No. Um, my tarantula died right before we got together, but. I'm still allowed to have snakes. <laughs> That's the benefit of being married to a dude. Y'all messed up. Because <laughs> y'all married women. <laughs> no, I'm, right. I'm kidding. That was sexist of me. I'm sorry. Sorry, <laughs> ladies. I apologize. I get in trouble with all the ladies. Well, this is going to be one of our more controversial episodes. We're going to be uh, getting into stern, sternly worded leather from uh, Kevin Hart. <laughs> and Looney Tunes. And- yes. Oh, was I? did I talk about something controversial <laughs> just now <laughs> i thought i saw brett was typing i was like uh-oh brett is typing uh, no, I just I sent you our uh, our first episode oh, okay uh, it was number 124 it was entitled this is how skynet begins oh, okay <laughs> i thought that was apropos <laughs> okay yeah. good yeah really i was worried that i was somebody was typing like don't please be quiet stop talking no. <laughs> all the things you're saying are bad i would have been like <laughs> no you're not saying anything that bad, believe me. Right. He says that bad. He had to preface it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Oh. I'm a demanding ah. guest. I want lions. I I want to talk about my lizard. Um, I'm very sorry. What what questions did you actually? So I got you got you all off track. No, what questions did you want to ask me 
that now are not going to get answered. <laughs> um, for the book, did you was it difficult going from writing the the novel part and then going to writing the comic part? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> this book was a nightmare to write. Um, I wrote this book like five years ago, back when I was not a um not not a good writer. Um, and so it had to be changed a lot. It was a lot of work since then. So and you know I went through like anybody who's trying to learn how to write. I went through multiple revisions, um, and which meant that I read through it and I changed things as I was reading through it. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes you can't revise that way. Sometimes you've got to be really hardcore. Um, I had it in front of um, a few agents and editors um, and got some really good response. But one of the there was a lot of issues with like characterization. Um, not you know my writing was okay, the grammar and stuff was fine, but characterization and plot were not where they needed to be back then. And so what does that mean? That means actually you need to take a blank page and start over. So um, nobody likes to do that, but you have sometimes you have to do that and then just keep the old manuscript to reference. You don't remember details. Um, another thing, and and that that wasn't even enough. Um, so then I had you know another editor looked over it. Um, I had an editor who really tore it up. One of the things was she really didn't like the the comic book inter- interludes, um, but she said if they were an actual comic book, then it might be interesting. Now, granted, this was not a comic book fan. This was someone who reads only like um, they read sci-fi, but like it's a different, different kind of a different kind of thing. Um, this book really is kind of geared towards people who at least moderately enjoy comic books a little tiny bit um, and who don't hate them. Um, at least you have to not hate comic books. <laughs> so that's a good start. I guess, I guess that would help. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, because she was like, you can't write all these sound effects. This is not a comic book. Like, no, but that's the point. It, but anyway, her feedback was that really invaluable because it's helpful to have somebody who hates the kind of stuff you write read over um, your stuff so that they can really point out the things that are wrong. So a year later, um, going back over her advice, which I say, I don't throw away critique. Um, I say, I say, she was really right about everything. Um, so I, you know, did other rewrites um, over the past year and a half. Um, I've done four different other techniques to help with the arrangement because I'm arranging three storylines: arranging Jace's character development, Sky's character development, and the story in the comic book, which is woven through the through the book. How do you arrange it so that it's not the flow isn't messed up? Um, so one thing you that I did is I would write each plot point down on index cards and like put them around on the floor and like go through these plot points and I'd write them down in a notebook and be like, okay, this doesn't go here. Let me move this around and move this plot point over here. Um, then when I was still confused, I sat down and I wrote, I did, I have this technique that I do um, called telling it like a baby. It's where I write the story to myself in the simplest words possible. Um, and I start with once upon a time. Once upon a time, there was a little superhero and he was happy with all his friends. Like very simple. And I go through the whole story in like a page or two so that I know where I'm going. Um, I write out my pitch, my query pitch, practice with that. Um, and then I did character interviews of every single character. And then I wrote short stories about multiple different characters. 
Um, so I did a lot of work outside the book. Then I drew a comic about the characters so that I could learn how the characters worked, how do they, you know, what are their other interactions. Um, that comic actually is available online. It's not very good because I'm not an artist, but it helped. The point of it was to help me have a whole, have a very solid background. And then I sat back down with a blank page and rewrote the entire novel from scratch. And I rewrote the novel in two different documents. One, a document about Jace and that storyline in the real world. And I wrote another document about the storyline in the comic book world. I chopped them up, put them together in order. And then I took the storyline that's in the comic book world and rewrote it for my artist in comic book script language. So that's a lot of work. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Did you find it difficult to bounce back and forth from the author role to the writer role? Since I guess technically there there is the difference between the two, since you're you're writing a script with the comics, but you're authoring a book. Yes, that was so. One of the things that I really told myself beforehand um, is I fi- I finally have this artist. I need to trust her. I looked at like maybe ten different artists before um, settling. Um, you know, my heart on Annie. And, uh, one, you know, one of the things that was helpful is she had some comics up on her website. So I saw that she knew how to frame because some artists, they're good artists, but they don't know how to tell a story. Like they can make a beautiful panel. Y'all know this. Y'all are comics fans. You, you, You can make a panel, but they can't tell a story. Um, so, I originally had a script written out um, with a ton of details in it um, for her. And it was a bunch of details and it was over directing and it was annoying. Um, She replied with, you know, a lot of questions and concerns. And I said, how about we just do this? How about I just send you the pages that I wrote for the version of the comic book without the novel? And I'll show you, send you, I'll should put marks, you know, where the comic book page begins and ends. And I trust you to just turn it into a thing. Um, so I, I did that. And then I, for other pages, I just literally wrote, this person does this, this person does this, this person does this, done. And I gave her the dialogue um, and trusted her because you have to trust. You have to trust. Apparently, um, you know, whoever uh, worked with Jack Kirby, apparently that pair, um, they would do like really minimal directing. And there's other people who... Um, like people who've worked with, I think, Grant Morrison or something like that, where there's like a ton of directing in that like writer-artist relationship. So you have to find that balance because as an author, you are being both the writer and the artist. You have to have all the details and the plot, but you as a writer, you need to trust your um, you need to trust the other person and I think I, I did an okay job doing that. I think Annie did a beautiful job. Um, her art style is very refreshing because the book is quite dark um, and her art style is a little much lighter and lighthearted. So so it, it brings a little bit of, of hope, I think, to the image to the imagery that you're getting. And the book we're coming uh, talking about is Becoming Hero by Jen Finelli, available everywhere in case you want to purchase it. The easiest way to get it is um, to go to becominghero.ninja because then you can that's not .com .ninja becominghero.ninja because then you can see all the retail outlets where you can get it. I mean, you can get it from Books a Million, um, Kobo, Indigo. I don't even know what Indigo is. They're in Canada, apparently. Um, and like I said, sketchy Russian sites, too. Anywhere. Those are the best. <laughs> That's where I get all my books. <laughs> and my <laughs> wives. <laughs> and mail-order spouses. Yes. Yeah, exactly. 
So where can people find you on the internet? I know we talked just a second ago about becominghero.ninja, but where else? Bygenfinelli.com. Um, you can find one of my most popular stories there, which is free online as an audio play podcast thing. Um, about it's called Brainworms and White Whales. It's about drugs and automatic cars that attack people and the unfair speeding laws in Virginia. <laughs> and uh, um, I, I agree with the speeding laws in Virginia. You can go to jail. You can go to. J- I almost went to jail. Um, maybe we don't need to announce that, but I did. So all right, that's okay. You can look that in there. Book sales. I, I, I almost. <laughs> that's right. I almost went to jail, y'all. No. Um, it this was speed. Speeding. Speeding is not a reason to go to jail. <laughs> I think I, that's there are there are people there are in some in some parts of this of the country there are rapists who get out with nine months. You can go to jail for two years for speeding in Virginia. Two uh, years? Yeah. Yes, two years is the maximum penalty. I I wow. got busted doing twenty one miles over. And my saving grace was one. I was driving a 1977 Vega wagon. Two, I had <laughs> two. I had a semi behind me in the left lane that they're not supposed to be in, and we were going downhill. <laughs> oh, and you're like, ah! and I'm doing whatever I can to keep the semi off my butt. <laughs> yes. That's yeah. what gave me just the ticket and no jail time. <laughs> Yeah, man, that's scary. Virginia's scary. So the, in this book, this guy gets the death penalty um, because he's going so fast over the speeding ticket. <laughs> or not, death penalty. So because you add – actually, that's the – two years is like the minimum. Um, you can actually add time for each there, – there's a month there, – there's a complex calculation I did many years ago when I wrote the story of months to miles. And he goes so fast over the speeding limit that it ends up being life in prison. And they decide wow. just to execute him for good measure because why not? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm uh, starting to read the story now, and I may have to sue you. Um, <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> um, I actually wrote a, a book back when I was in second grade for young, young authors, and it was called Spaceman Spiff. And here are the first line. My, my name is it Spaceman Spiff. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> You know who needs to sue me is the Calvin and Hobbes guy. Ah, uh, yes. That's where I, I took that name from. Um, it's a. It's trying. I'm trying to be an. It's trying to be an homage to Bill Watterson. Mm. May uh. he may his artistic career rest in peace. Um, <laughs> no, that's not even like a joke. Like he he he's super cool. Um, and I think it's pretty impressive that he did what he did and then decided he didn't want to chair anymore. Yeah. So so we mentioned uh, by Jen dot. Bygen.com, correct? Bygenfinelli.com. Yep. And then I'm on Twitter. You can find Becoming Hero there or at Peter Pan, Instagram, um, Becoming Hero, all the socials that I hate, Pinterest, um, Reddit, uh, all the things. It's either Peter Pan, P-E-T-R-3-P-A-N is my gamer tag, or P-E-T-R-E-P-A-N, or Becoming Hero. And you search me any, every social media because someone told me you have to get them. I um, post to all of them at once using blog to social, which is a uh, a WordPress thing, and I think for comics use writer, writers and creators, it's kind of useful. Um, I am an affiliate of theirs, but they have not given me any money, so I am I am just I'm being honest. I do use them. <laughs> um, this is not a paid advertisement. <laughs> it, it's like when we had Amazon, a lot of people were using them, barely saw anything from it. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's right. No, so uh, they they allow you basically to go from your WordPress and share your comics or whatever you're making to all the socials at once. Because who has time? I can't be updating seven or eight different social media sites. Who's got time for that? I can update Twitter. I reply, I reply to people on Twitter. Um, but all those other things, like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Ain't got time for that. Oh, um, and other resources for creatives actually. Um, on my email list, I send out a link to a huge one and a half hour long podcast that me and my film producer did about um, a bunch of software you can use to put out your stuff. Um, so software to help you automate like your Twitter life, software to help you um, get uh, your writing out there, um, and all these different things that are all free because that's what we use um, to help people with marketing it's called indie film marketing but i think it works for comics creators writers anybody um because like i'm kind of all about like i was talking earlier like meeting cool people and helping their ideas to thrive makes me excited um it's not it's not all about me there's plenty of room for all kinds of creatives in the world so if people want to join my email list they get that Um, and they can join my email list just by going to either of the websites i've mentioned and there'll be a place there where they can put in their names Awesome. You can also get free books there because I I send a bunch of free stuff. Not just my free books, but books I've stolen from other people that I'll give them. They aren't (laughs) stolen. They have been. They've been offered to me freely, but. But stealing is the same as getting it free, right? It, if, if getting it freely is the story you want to go with. That, that's fine. <laughs> that, that's the one I'll go with. <laughs> uh, Brett, Derek, any final questions or final thoughts? No, it's great having you on. A great oh, conversation. Yeah. I, have I a think question. we got, more, got interviewed more than you did. <laughs> well, because I, I have one more question for you all. Um, this is a, one of my favorite questions that I, I try to ask people. What do you all think, each of you individually, actually um, is the most important sound in the world like the sound that would define the world to you like if you had to define the world in one sound Ooh, wow Hmm. It's my favorite question. I've been asking people for like 10 years and I'm collected the an- collecting the answers and just enjoying what a beautiful kaleidoscope of answers I get. Maybe one day I'll do something cool with it. I don't know. I think that gasp, well, for me, it's, it's more localized. Um, when I took my daughter to her first Star Wars celebration and introduced her to Star Wars and we looked out on the exhibit floor, I said, this is Star Wars. And just that, oh, <sighs> At the age of two and a half, almost three, that and, and there was no wow or anything. It was just like, yeah, that, that's it. Oh, that's a beautiful answer. That's a lot like Mark Hamill's answer, actually. Mark Hamill's answer was laugh, a child's laughter. Uh-huh. That's similar. I, I would probably say that with my nephews. Yeah? Mm-hmm. That or uh, our cats purring when you're oh, snuggling with them. <laughs> that's a good sound. Yeah, very calming. I could definitely say it's not my hound, my hound barking. Yeah. No. Well, my my cat wailing in the middle of the night. Ew, no. Phoebe. I would, I would say for me, um, sort of on the same vein, but for me, it wouldn't. It would be just laughter in general, not just a child's laughter, but just anybody laughing. Because you know when somebody's laughing that nothing's wrong in that moment. Everything, everything's good in that in that one particular moment when they're laughing. 
We hope. These are all good answers. Man, I'm yeah, late. Like hey, guys, where the heck did this come from? Jeez. <laughs> These are all good answers. <laughs> Unless they're evil, then something might be wrong in that moment. <laughs> well, for them, it's still good. That's right. <laughs> Welcome to In Touch With Your Feelings, but with Jen Finelli. <laughs> I liked your answer too. These are good. These are good answers. You know, the most common answer, there's two answers that are really common that I get. One of them is the sound of water. It's the most mm. important sound in the world. Various kinds. They'll say rain. They'll say waves. And the other one is all these hipsters thinking they're being clever, saying silence. That's actually one of the most common answers I get. Lame. <laughs> Lame. Uh. So, which I mean, I respect silence is kind of nice, but it is kind of funny because it's such a common answer. <laughs> Millennials. Oh. Mm. We, we thank you for coming on and uh, drilling us with questions while we drill you with questions. Yes. That was fun. It's, it's been a <laughs> while since it's gone both directions. <laughs> and, and, it, and it was a blast. Well, thank you. I very much appreciated it. Um, and I, if there's any way I can uh, support the podcast, let me know and let your um, listeners know that they can get my that twenty percent off thing if they keep listening to you. <laughs> yes, and we'll get that from you when we get off show. Sounds uh, good. On that final note, want to know more? <laughs> So, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production.